The Witching Hour with Aaron Maza is a Mind Garden Media podcast in association with Screw You Todd Productions. My name is Aaron Maza, and this is The Witching Hour. Hey everyone, it's Aaron. I really hope you enjoyed my last episode with the lovely Ash McKernan, and I'm very excited that you're here with me for this episode as I get to interview my longtime friend and Facebook pal, renowned author and witch, Sancista Brujo Lewis as we talk about all things Espiritismo, how he grew up, and how he got on the path he is on today. I really, really hope you enjoy this episode, because I really, really enjoyed making it. And if you have any questions, you know right where to find me. Hey, Sancista Brujo Lewis, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm getting stronger day by day, almost back to my full uh, sassy self, to the dismay of the rest of the world. So I'm getting there. Oh, I'm happy to hear that. First of all, Happy New Year's. Happy New Year's to you, too. I hope 2023 is looking up as much for you as it is for me. It's been good. I've been a a very busy person, (laughs) but it's been good. You and I have been like Facebook friends for a very long time, and you always seem to be on the go. I get exhausted just looking at a lot of your posts. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting older and I'm, I get exhausted doing what I do, but I wouldn't change my life. You know, this is what God and spirit has you know, allowed me to do. And there are times when I wish I could just live a normal life, but then I get bored. <laughs> yeah, but you're doing what you're doing. You're brightening people's lives. And what you're doing is you're making the world a sweeter place. I try my best. So for those who aren't familiar with you, Tell us a bit about yourself, like where you grew up and stuff of that nature. Well, I go by the name of Sancista Brujo Luis online. I grew up in Massachusetts in a northern city known as Lowell, Massachusetts, the first industrial mill city of the United States. Oh, wow. My parents are Puerto Rican. So I'm, you know, I'm Puerto Rican, considered Puerto Rican, but my parents came from Puerto Rico in the 1960s. And I was born here, the first person in my family to be born in the United States. So yeah, that's it. (laughs) That's pretty cool. That's like on my mom's side, my mom was born overseas. And so I am a first generation on my mom's side. Not too familiar with like my dad's lineage or anything like that, but at least I know I'm a first generation on that side. This a spirituality called Espiritismo. Did you grow up with this path or how did you find it? Did it find you? No. So Espiritismo, it was always practiced in my family. My grandmother, mi abuelita, abuelita Juana, may she rest in peace. She was what we call in Puerto Rico, a presidenta de mesa. A presidenta de mesa is president of the white table. She was the head medium of a little center in rural Puerto Rico. And the little center would be like the size of a, you know, where you park your cars, you know, that little building in the United States where you park your car. So it was a little center with an altar towards the back, statues of folk saints, Catholic saints, African spirits, indigenous spirits. And then there would be a white table. She would sit in the center and there would be other mediums And so I grew up with this my whole life. When I was born, I was born a very sick 
child. And so I was born with latelita over the face. Latelita is, um, what's it called? The, you know that little membrane over the face? Oh, it's like the, you have like, what's it called? Like a veil over your face. Yeah, the, the call, call, I think it's called. Yeah. And, yeah. And so my abuelita told my mother that he was the one who's going to have los dones or the gift to see into the world of spirit. So, you know, my grandmother, of course, lived in Puerto Rico and we lived here in the United States. Ever since I was very young, I would communicate with imaginary friends you know just to me they were just my friends i would see them like i see anyone else the first entity that i saw i used to call him silo and he would speak to me in sign language so i would put my right arm behind my back and i would like everything that he would say to me he would say to me kind of like like i would sign language it out right and so my mother would was like what are you doing and i was like i'm i'm talking to silo and this, of course, worried my mother, so she called my grandmother, because, you know, my grandmother was the espiritista. And so my grandmother was like, don't worry, you know, I told you that he was going to have lodones, the gift, during the summer, just bring him to Puerto Rico, and we're going to develop him with his spiritual faculties. So I grew up with this my whole life. Oh, wow. I bet you could just do almost like... Uh, a whole book of growing up with this gifting and getting to grow up around this, around this spiritual tradition. How did that color your childhood? Was, it, was your childhood like full of like happy moments or were there some moments where you were just like, okay, this is weird. <laughs> so I, to me, it was very normal my whole life. To me, the first spirit guide that I had, they were very nice. You know, it was not until around the age, I was, I'm going to say six, maybe seven years old, I was playing outside. It was the summer of 77. And I was playing outside and the ice cream truck came. And of course, I ran across the street to get money from my mother. And a car hit me. And yeah, so a car hit me. And all I can remember now is visions of me being under the car. And the next vision I remember now at my age, I was on my mother's plastic covered couch. My mother was crying. She was being consoled by a, a bunch of women. And the next thing I remember, I was in an ambulance. And I remember being frightened. And I remember I was focusing on the Red Cross of the ambulance. Like, you know, the ambulance had the doors with the window and there, there would be that cross with the flashing light. And mm -hmm. so I, was, I remember I was focusing on that Red Cross and all of a sudden, I saw this image materialize through this, this glass window. And it materialized. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, it's Jesus. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I thought, oh, my God, it's Jesus. But then I, I would remember thinking, but you don't look like Jesus. You don't, you don't have the white hair, the blue eyes, you know, the pretty Jesus that's in the picture <laughs> of everyone's house. You know, he was a darker man, short very curly hair. His skin that I remember now was like the color of like brown leather. And he was speaking to me in a language that I didn't understand. But I, even though I didn't understand the language myself, I understood that I was going to be fine. So to answer your question, from that moment, I was fine. You know, I had CELO. But after that near-death experience, I started seeing other spirits, more spirits, 
And then I started seeing darker entities, I guess you want to call it. So I had a good life. I had a peaceful life until that moment. And then, of course, the scarier spirits, you know, seeing scarier spirits, what I assumed to be scary spirits at that age. And so I was blessed that every summer I would go to Puerto Rico and my grandmother would help me, like, to develop that. So... I don't know if I'm answering your question, but yeah, you I did have, a, did have a great life. It was just that traumatic experience of many traumatic experiences. That was the one when I, it went from just seeing Silo, that spiritual entity, that spirit guide that I understood at that time, that was my friend. I think Silo was in a way preparing me for what was going to be coming. After that, I didn't see Silo. I Silo after that accident, I don't remember or recall ever interacting with Silo after that. It was more like I remember I was in the hospital and I remember I remember like just feeling people around the hospital, but knowing that they were not alive. You know what I'm saying? Like they were wandering. You saw spirits. Yeah, the spirits of people who had passed away, I'm assuming, in the hospital at that time. From what I can understand, it's kind of like a silo, as you called this spirit, was a almost kind of like a primer for, like you said, for what was coming. And then this near-death experience happened. And it's like your your eyes were fully open, like the blinders had come off. Right. They were, you know, I had been, been born. I was, you know, born. I was supposed to be completely blind. By the age of six years old, I have nystagmus my whole life. So at that, you know, in the 70s, I was supposed to completely lose my vision. Even though I didn't have, I don't have the regular vision of sight, like, you know, normal people, we believe in Espiritismo that you might not have the sight, the physical sight, but you can still have the spiritual sight. So I had the spiritual sight, but it was that accident, that near-death death experience that it like you said it opened the blinders completely wide open it's kind of like in 2020 i'm sure you saw on my facebook i was super duper sick with the first wave of covid never it came through and i almost passed away from that wow and it was like oh it was terrible 105 degree temperature i was hallucinating i was seeing all kinds of stuff but after that it's like I stepped up to like a new level in my craft and i felt like i started gaining like insights and like hearing not really saying things but i would start hearing like voices inside my head that would give me hunches about people and situations and they would be right you know what i mean right my experience to get there wasn't as traumatic you traumatic as yours you know but i feel it just had the same ends exactly you know it, it, it's different for every person your background is italian correct yes oh, okay okay yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually, I am actually Italian. My, my mother's Italian. Oh, got you, got you. Yeah, like different people develop. We're all born with this gift. It is in the West that we are taught to forget about it. You know, these are things of fantasies. But it is like people who practice forms of spirituality that it's there. Some people, it doesn't come back much later. But me, it's always been prevalent in my life. So with these experiences and stuff that you've had, and I know it's helped you lead a very magical life, would you consider yourself like a witch in what most people 
have a term for. There's no wrong answer to this question. But would you consider yourself a witch? And how do you define witchcraft? What is your definition? So I've been called Brujo, Brujito, ever since I was little. That is my, my nickname. It's not a name that I chose for myself. When I was little, having my imaginary friend, I was always alone. And I would run away. Like, not run away from my home, but like I would like, venture out to the woods, collect. I would play. I, I didn't care about material toys. I enjoyed rocks and flowers and herbs. And I mean, I got chicken pox, you know, playing with, with stuff that I shouldn't have. And so <laughs> from middle, I was always called El Brujito. That was my apodo, my nickname. And so it's always been who I am. You know, it was jokingly given to me because they viewed me as, you know, you'd, you, I lived in a neighborhood where everyone, all the kids hung around and I was just always by myself. And then I would always, I enjoyed being in the company of my grandmother and my, the, you know, the elders of my family. I found it more, I don't know how to say it, like. Peaceful. Yeah, I, it, I enjoyed it more when they would do the rosaries or when they, when I saw my grandmother doing, you know, like readings, she would read for clients with the Spanish, you know, cards or going outside with her to pick herbs or even like, you know, cause my family was very Catholic doing the rosary to me, that was like very magical. And ever since I was little, I remember, you know, the first time I had ever seen the wicked witch of the West and the wizard of Oz, <laughs> I was a little kid and that was my hero. I mean, like, I don't know what it was about that woman that I was like, who is this? Like, I didn't understand what a witch was, but I gravitated toward that person. And I remember being a little kid thinking all she wants is her sister's slippers. Why is she the bad guy? You know what I'm saying? Exactly. <laughs> all she wants is what should be do hers. I didn't know what a brujo was until I was a bleeder. I used to bleed through my nose a lot. And so they would take me to Puerto Rico to the temple. I was really young. And so they would have the mediums pray over me to see if they could heal, heal that bleeding. Because I used to bleed through my nose. And then there'll be times that I would swallow it and like gulps of blood would, you know, I would vomit gulps of blood. Mm -hmm. So I remember one time I was playing something and my uncle said, we're going to, I know this bruja. And she had lived in this pueblo called Aguadilla. And I come from the center of Puerto Rico, Com Comerio. And so he was telling my mother about a bruja. And I was like, what that word? You know, they call me Brujito. Another one like me? Like, who's this <laughs> other person that has kind of like my name? And so my uncle had told my mother, we're going to bring him to this bruja because it seems like the mediums can't help Luisito. So let's bring him to this bruja to see if she could do something so he doesn't bleed as much. So I remember they took me to this lady's house. She was an old, older Puerto Rican woman. She lived in, in a mountain in the rural areas, a shack house. I don't remember much. I remember, I remember being scared out of my wit and, and fighting and kicking and screaming as my uncle held my, I mean, this was traumatic because my <laughs> uncle held God. my arms down as this lady was making me drink this tea, this nasty tea. And then I started vomiting. I remember vomiting. And till this day, I am a bleeder. Like if I get cut, I bleed. But it wasn't to the extent like as bad as it was 
then that I used to be through the nose. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, I've always been this. I don't know any other way. It's like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like something that I don't think about. I don't meditate. It's like saying I'm a man. I was born a man. That's who I am. I'm Puerto Rican. That's what I am. I'm a rujo. That's what I am. I've always been into this. When I was little, I would gravitate instead of like comic books. I remember when I was, we had gone to the library. I was in junior high and I went into the paraphernalia, the ghost stories and all that. And I came across this book, which I don't remember the, the name of the book, Witchcraft. And I remember <laughs> I'm intrigued by that book. And I sat there and I didn't have a library card. So I would go and I'd go to the library and I'd read that book. And it, it just opened the door to me. It's just something that I've always been. It's just like breathing. It's, it, it's, it's just what you've known. It's like putting one foot in front of the other. Exactly. I got what you're saying. So what purpose do you believe that witchcraft can serve like the world, you know, especially in modern times? Well, see, witchcraft, I'm going to give you like in the Hispanic perspective. We have curanderos, we have yelberos, santiguadores, hueseros, and a lot of them don't like to use the term brujo or bruja because it's got this tone of something as, as in dark, right? Mm-hmm. But most brujos that I've known or brujas were actually just curanderas, healers. So the way I grew up, most of them were living in rural Puerto Rico. These people couldn't go to the hospitals. Even today, my mother lives in this rural area. And so to get to a good hospital, 2023, she has to go to San Juan or Bayamon, which is like a 40-minute drive. So imagine the 40s, the 50s, 60s, 70s. They couldn't. So they would go to a local yelbero, an herbalist, a healer, a bone setter, brujos in the Caribbean and in South America. They are, like I said, healers, and they're also like psychiatrists and you know do a lot of therapy. So in my culture, that's how it always was. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yes. In most cases, it worked just as good as a, as a lot of them, especially like a lot of the medicines and stuff they try to pump into us today. Exactly. So and most of the medicine was natural. You know, and it was mal natural, and it was always led with. Usually, they would give you, you know, like a doctor today gives you a prescription. You know, you you go to a doctor, you would go to a curandera, yelbera, or a bruja. They would spiritual heal you, but then they would give you what we call una receta. A receta is like a, a prescription where you would say a prayer or a psalm or take a bath and light a candle to a particular saint or a spirit to maintain that healing balance oh wow so like a spiritismo i actually have a copy of a really good book that's about it oh look it's by it's by you Lewis, and it's titled luz y progreso am i saying that correctly light yes luz y progreso light and progress and you talk about two different forms of a spiritismo and you give a bit of the history for those that are out there has a spiritismo always looked like it does today is there a lot like with the folk saints and the catholic iconography and stuff has it always looked like that you know espiritismo is always evolving it's always growing espiritismo is not a religion because we don't worship the dead but it's always evolving it's always growing 
And it's still like there are traditional espiritistas. Again, espiritismo, there's so many branches of espiritismo, just like there's different branches of witchcraft. So you can find espiritismo, in, even in Puerto Rico, you have uh, Mesa Blanca, you have criollo, folclorico, scientifico, all very different branches. The one that I grew up was very folk, creolized. And so you do see a lot of, like, you'll see in like my spiritual room a lot of things that my grandmother might ha have had in her altar room and all that. But Espiritismo is always growing. We are taught to always learn, to always develop, and to learn as much. So it's always evolving. It's always evolving. It's always growing. But yeah, you'll see a lot of, you know, elements from the times of my grandparents. But then again, I'm sure Espiritismo for my grandmother would have been completely different than her, her grandmother. This path, is, it's, it's like it's alive. And that's just the sign that something is good and something is actually practical is that it, it doesn't stay like the mainline religions. It doesn't stay cold and hard. It's, it's a path or a tradition from what I'm understanding. Like you said, that is evolving and growing just like it's a living organism. Exactly. It's always going to be evolving. You know, a lot of people think that Espiritismo was brought by Allan Kardec. So uh, Espiritismo means spiritism. And the first codification were created by a French man. His name was Hippolito de Leon, Rivali de Leon, in France in the later part of the 1800s. So a lot of people think Espiritismo began in Puerto Rico. Yes, it did, in a way. But you got to understand that in Puerto Rico, there's always been a, a belief in the world of spirit. That comes from our Taino indigenous roots, our African roots, and of course, our European roots. Sadly to say, being a Catholic country, a Christian country, it was outlawed. No one could practice that. But it was the aristocratic families in Puerto Rico, of course, they would send their children to Spain or to Europe to study in prestigious colleges. And so when they went to Europe, they brought spiritism into the Caribbean. Uh, the books of Alan Kardec, and it, it like, how do I say it? It mended or it melted in or, you know, became part of like the spiritual beliefs that was already on the island. It's like it melded together, just like a grilled cheese sandwich. Exactly. <laughs> so is the Spiritismo, you're saying is more like a, just like a system, more so than a religion because you don't worship the dead or things of that nature? No, we don't worship the dead. We believe that we have spirit guides, and we believe that we have guardian angels. Some people call them by different names. Guardian angel, elevated spirits. We believe in one God, the creator of the universe, the architect of the universe. So many espiritistas, you can go to a, a spiritist temple in Puerto Rico, and in Allen Kardec, I think it's chapter 13, says in the world of spirit there's no religion so if you go to a, a centro espiritista in puerto rico not just in puerto rico but throughout latin america you will see espiritistas who are espiritistas or mediums but they could be catholics they could be christians they could be buddhists they could be hindus they could be jewish they could be you know they could have their own religion aside from that in fact i remember being in a center and there was a catholic priest who would come to Mesa, and not just him, he was a Catholic priest, but there was also a Pentecostal pastor. Wow. And she would drive like half away from the, from her part of the island, and she would wander with the 
what she was doing, of course. But again, like your spirit guides, like you could have spirit guides that were indigenous, and so they would they would bring their indigenous spiritualities. You could you could have spirit guides that are Africans that they will bring in their African religions or elements as a spirit guide. And that could influence you in your espiritismo, but we do not, like I said, worship the dead. So for us, espiritismo is more like a spirituality that has more of its roots in like shop, you know, in, you know, yes, it does have that French Alan Kardec philosophy, but the ways practiced in Puerto Rico and not just in Puerto Rico, but in Venezuela, in Cuba, and in many other Latin American countries where you find folk spirits a shamanistic element to it. Wow. It's very free form. It doesn't feel rigid. Exactly. I have to ask, have you ever met a Jewish person who practices a spiritismo? Have I ever met a Judeo? You know, I had, actually, I have a goddaughter who has a Jewish spirit guide. Actually, most of the saints, you know, older saints will be Jewish, you know, the older ones, but she does have a spirit guide that's very Jewish. And so she has her espiritismo, you know, little table. And then she has a little place where she lights candles to her deceased. But then she has this really strong connection with this, this spirit guide that in the past life was a Jewish. So you'll see like in that little area where she lights candles to this spirit guide for protection, whatever, she has like Jewish scrolls and amulets and stuff like that. And then I have a godson. He's Puerto Rican. He's never been to Asia. And he has a spirit guide that's very Asian. So when his spirit guide comes down, it's pretty interesting the way that spirit guide cleanses. It looks like that spirit guy is doing like, you know what I'm saying? It's like a slow karate, but he's cleansing people. Oh, wow. It's not almost like they're kind of doing a Tai Chi or something else. Yes, exactly. Yes. So what is next for you? You said you have a busy year coming up. What's on deck for Zancista Brujo Lewis? I'm a person that I like to grow and I like to develop. And I noticed that every 10 years, ever since when my grandmother passed away in 1984, a big part of one of the most important persons in my life went into the world spirit. And so I started like trying to find myself, you know, find that familiarity that was my grandmother and the way she practiced. And so I remember that around my 20s, so Wicca, it's very big here. So I went to Wicca in my 20s and I did that for a few years. And then after that, I went into Afro-Cuban traditions. I did that for a little while. I learned what I needed to learn, but it wasn't for me and I have a lot of respect for it. Then after that, in my late 20s, I met my godfather in Sanse and I became a Sansista. And it was during that time, around that time that I started learning my Taino, Taino, which is the, the native people of the Caribbean. And so I started learning more about the indigenous spirituality of the Caribbean. And so then I joined what we call a Yucayeque, which is like a, a Taino spiritual group. And I feel like for me, like now that like I notice, like every 10 years, like I, I get this very deep hunger where, okay, now I want to learn this, you know? So to me, like my next chapter, I would like to go like to Peru, 
I've been to Venezuela. I've been to Colombia. I've been to Santo Domingo. Every, everywhere that I go, I go, I go because I want to learn something spiritually. So the next chapter in my life, now that I'm in my 50s, I'm like Peru and Ecuador is like calling the spiritual traditions of those countries. And not because I'm trying to erase my espiritismo, because espiritismo is my background. It's my, it's my foundation of who I am, but to, as, to grow as a medium, as an espiritist. So it's, yeah, it's kind of like your foundation. Your foundation will never change. Right, exactly. So when people come to me, 99% of them, even though I do practice Sanse, Sanse is it's a mixture of Puerto Rican espiritismo with Haitian voodoo, even though I did receive ceremonies in Sanse and I received ceremonies in 21 division, when people come to me, I work Mesa Blanca, the way my grandmother did. And that's to me, it's like the foundation. And that's the where, where I notice I help the most people. So I have like this indigenous spirit guide. And for me to understand that indigenous spirit guide, it leads me to these indigenous practices. That's beautiful. Tell people where they can find you. I know you have a YouTube channel. Wait, going back to what you were saying, you mentioned wanting to go to Peru or Ecuador in your most recent video, like your New Year's video. You had that vision for yourself. Yes. It's been around for 12 years. I try to post once a week. I know you're on Facebook because that's where I stalked you before and hunted you down many years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> and on YouTube, I do my YouTube channel. That's where I try to promote once a, you know, I do a video once a week on Caribbean folk magic, Caribbean spirituality, and stuff like that. So people can find me on YouTube, Sancista Blue Luis. Awesome. And uh, just for the sake of asking, are there any other books in the future coming from you? I've been writing every winter. I notice when it gets to like the snowstorm. You know, here in Massachusetts, that's when I write, when I'm not being bothered. The sad thing about, not the sad thing because I am blessed, but I have people from the morning I wake up to the moment I turn off the phone, I'm always answering emails, helping spiritual, you know, giving advice. So it takes a lot of time, but I've been writing another book for a while now. And I'm hoping to get that. I'm like halfway there. You know, it's like a little puzzle that I need to put together where I want to put things. I want it a little bit different than the first book because I've evolved since the 10 years that my first book came out in Progreso. I've evolved as a spirit, as a, as, an, as a person, as a medium, as an espiritista. And there's a lot in that book, Luz in Progreso, that I wish that I, did, that I didn't write upon that I would really like to tap deeper into. That's awesome. I am so glad we got to have this interview today. I know it was a long time in the making. It was. And this will not be the last time that, hopefully not be the last time that I have you on the show, because I think down the road, especially as you keep working on the book and various projects, I'd love to have you on again at some point. Definitely. I'd be honored. I really enjoyed getting to talk to you today, Sancista Brujo Lewis. If you can find him out there in cyberspace, especially the YouTube channel, there is lots of good stuff on there. Or if you can get on Amazon and find his book, A Light in Progress, which is Luzi Progreso. Yes, it is. Pick up a copy. I highly encourage it. It is a very good read. Sancista, we will talk to you really soon, okay? Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. The pleasure was all mine.